Aw, cripes all Friday. It's episode four of the Cripes Cast. So roll out the barrel and get the band brewing. Life's got you down. Just keep her moving. I'm your host, Charlie Barons. Big thanks to all of you for being here listening. Uh, and I especially appreciate all of you who have rated the podcast. That helps out a lot. Um, this week, we are talking with Mike Moe, who is not only a martial artist and the owner of Moe's Martial Arts in Wanakee, Wisconsin, but he is also an actor. He was just directed by Quentin Tarantino in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. He was portraying Bruce Lee. Um, and so you, I'm, I'm sure many of you have seen that. But he's also been in a bunch of other things. He's a working actor. Uh, it was fun to talk to him because I did a little bit of the acting stuff before I got into stand-up comedy. And I wasn't that good at it, dear guy, RK. Um, But anyway, it was fun to talk about that regardless. Uh, Mike's very interesting. He's he's got his hands in a lot of different uh, things, but he's got such a level head, and and he's just a cool dude. Unfortunately, he he is a Vikings fan. So, you know, we had to get over that hump, but I think we addressed it early on in this interview, and everything was peachy there on out. So I'm going to stop talking. Uh, Make sure you guys subscribe to the Cast and enjoy this conversation with Mike Moe. I'm here with Mike Moe. Hi. A very talented actor, martial artist. Uh, you do a, a lot of insanely difficult things. Like, I mean, between being a martial artist, I've, I've seen some of your, uh, your work there, and then being in a film directed by Quentin Tarantino with Brad Pitt in that, in that um, scene. Um, but I think the hardest thing for you is an individual and as a person must be, uh, being a Vikings fan. Can we talk (laughs) about that? Um, yeah, I'm still, you know, it's been a lifetime of sorrow and, you know, empty promises uh and shattered dreams. And then living here in Wisconsin, just the constant, the constant bickering about having an actual winning team in the Mm -hmm. vicinity. That's, that's tough. It's really being in Wisconsin and being around a winning team. Um, you know, at this stage in your life, how, how does that make you feel on, on a daily basis? It makes me feel like a loser for, yeah. you know, having loyalty, number one. And mm-hmm. then and then we've got the Bucks now. Mm. They're really good. They are, yeah. You know, and the Timberwolves are... I'm not as openly um, open about being a Timberwolves fan. Mm-hmm. So Nor there should is, you be, There yeah. is a little bit of bandwagon ability oh, good, good. for the Bucks. Good. I mean, I absolutely cannot jump to the Packers as much as, you know, I think they're a great team. Mm-hmm. I've got all the respect in the world for the organization, but, you know, I've been a Vikings fan for, I've been an outed Vikings fan for so long, I can't just jump. No, that's, no, that's no, not no. right. No, no, that's no. Not right. But the Bucks, The Bucks, you could do. Let's talk about the Bucks you, you and the Brewers. Do. I'm good with the Brewers good. too. Well, you know, we have a place that we can work off of right. from. Yeah. Um, last question on this before we digress into something else. How did it feel in, I believe it was, um, 2009 or 2010, it was whatever year Brett Favre came over and was going to be your savior. And you were in the <laughs> NFC championship yeah. and, uh, you were about to defeat the new Orleans saints and, um, just last, last minute play, Favre throws it over the middle, uh, classic gunslinger throw, and it gets intercepted. How did that feel for you? I've forgotten about that because... I remember it, though. Because, I'm glad I can um, remind you of it. That season, 
mm-hmm. regardless of the way it ended, we've never won a Super Bowl. So I I know that. So, yeah. You know, yeah. So well that, game, that that season was still like a huge highlight for us. Whereas like a yeah. team like a Packers, you'd remember that season or the way it ended as like heartbreak and despair. Mm-hmm. I remember that season as like, wow, that was fun. Wow. Because you know you're not gonna win. You know you they're. Will, you know. You know you're not gonna win. You know so. You're in a good headspace about uh, this. I I still think it's funny that um, I can bring that up, and that's you know, Favre is a great player. I I don't know how mm-hmm. Packers, you know, have have you guys forgiven him? Yeah, I mean, I think so. You're starting to see more Favre jerseys out okay. again. We've absolutely forgiven him. I mean, look. Sure. Everybody uh, is able to make some mistakes in their lifetime. Uh, like, you know, you decide to be a Vikings fan and right. Favre decided to go there. So, I mean, we all can be forgiven and there is redemption. And uh, with you um, living here in Wanakee, uh, you know, I think that uh, you two can become a Packers fan, even though it may seem like uh, a mountain too tall to climb at this point. Let's just, you know, let's just leave it at the respect face. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Cool. And we'll move on. <laughs> uh, so, th- so this is cool. So, um, why don't why don't we just we'll, we'll get to the uh, to Once Upon a Time in uh, Hollywood and like all the, all the career highlights in a second. But why don't we just start with uh, you telling us like about your childhood and where you grew up and all that fun stuff. I was born in Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, my dad and my mom they immigrated from South Korea, and uh, my dad jumped into a PhD program at Georgia Tech. So I can't imagine what he must have felt like, especially my mom who had no like English training. So mm-hmm. back in that day, it must have been, I know for a fact it was really tough for them to, to make that move down to the South mm-hmm. um, during those times. But they did it for us. They did it for the American dream, which was great. And the older I get, the more I respect and really appreciate what they did. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I think it was three years old we moved up to Minnesota. My dad got a job at 3M. You're in uh, what city in Minnesota? Woodbury. Woodbury, Minnesota. Cool. And what was it like growing up in Woodbury, Minnesota? It was fun. I mean, that's what I knew from the beginning. As I was a kid, I was like, "That's this is what I know. I'm, I'm one of maybe a handful of non-white kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and, mm-hmm. I, and I don't think I... I think I knew, noticed that right away, but I think I it just became my norm. And I loved it. You know, yeah. we're running around playing kick the cone, you know, at, at that times when we were kids, it wasn't like today. It was just, okay, go out and play. Don't worry. Just come back by nine o'clock and no cell phone, no cell phones, no worries. It was, uh, look, I sound like an old guy right now back in the day, (laughs) (laughs) but honestly, like I, my wife and I, we both grew up in Woodbury and we love this Midwest feel, you know? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, and you know, you touched on a little bit, what was it like growing up one of the few non-white kids in a predominantly white Midwestern town? You know, I, there was definitely some, some moments in my life where I was like, wow, I feel different. This Mm -hmm. is, this is uh, definitely like different. I, I never felt like sorry for myself or anything because I think I used it to my advantage. Um, I knew right away I was different, but I made that kind of like, a positive. Sure. Hey, I can bring, you know, humor or this different perspective. And so I kind of became the class clown in Did elementary. You? I think that was kind of like my defense mechanism to make sure like, hey, people like me, you know, even though I don't look like them. So I think even in a little way as a kid, I kind of opened up their minds to, to being friends with, you know, all sorts of people. And I kind of, um, you know, then going up through middle school and, and high school, I became kind of like, I don't want to say the popular kid, but, but somebody that I could kind of 
go through different friend groups. I could hang out with, uh, you know, the jocks or the theater group or whatever it was. Um, yeah, I just, I think I had that open personality that eventually led into being in front of camera or being in front of a big group of people. Definitely. Now, did you do acting in high school? I did, but you know, I never got cast in the big <laughs> roles. Like I always auditioned. I don't even think it was my ambition mm -hmm. to be the lead. Yeah. Um, but you know, I auditioned and I was okay. Um, mainly they would just have me on there because I had a little bit of rhythm. Yeah, yeah. So, so if it was musicals, like just put Mike in the front, he knows how to dance or they he can, can pick it up him. and you know, all the other kids are like offbeat. Yeah, so yeah. I'm like help coaching them. So I, I found my, my niche there, but I never thought like I was going to follow acting. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, when I was a kid, I would watch Kung Fu movies and I would watch these things and we would make home movies. So I think from an early age, it was definitely a passion of mine. I just didn't have like a real, mentor or or any proof that I could actually make it happen you know like if my parents were in the biz that's how you know you see like all sorts of kids stars they're becoming stars too because they grow up and they see the path mm -hmm. I never had that so for me it was just for fun I just liked the kids that were in that theater group a little offbeat a little off center and I feel like you know especially when I got to like my older high school years that's kind of the group that I really felt the most at home with gravitate toward yeah sports were you doing any sports in high school or anything like that yeah so when I was a kid I did like baseball soccer all the traditional sports and I was always okay I'm pretty athletic in general but I never like had a passion to like do the team sport thing right so as soon as I started taekwondo uh, in my local dojo dojang um that's when I was like, okay, this is what I'm meant to do. And I dropped everything else. I was literally training at, at my martial arts school like six days a week. Whenever they were open, I would just, my mom would drop me off. I would tell her to pick me up when classes were done. So like four to 8.30, I'd be at the school. How old were you when you started that? I started when I was 12. Was that your ambition then? Was that what you wanted to go into? Or were you just saying, I love this, I'm, I'm going to just dive into the craft? Yeah, I think when I was 12, I wasn't like, oh, I'm going to make a lot of money or do this is what I want to do. I, yeah. think, I think I just loved doing it so much. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't like it, right away, I just enjoyed it so much. And then as I progressed, as I got a little older, I started seeing like, well, maybe this is something that I could do you know beyond getting a black belt maybe yeah. i could compete or become a professional in some way but at the same time every step of the way i have my parents reminding me no you're going to business school mm -hmm. or you're going to law school or you're doing the traditional you know asian american pressure towards a traditional or safe job and you know i look back and it's not like it's not like they didn't want me to be happy they just wanted me to be safe and mm -hmm. secure because they came and they risked so much and they sacrificed so much, they didn't want me to throw it away on some like, what, you want to be in the movies? What, you want to have your own martial arts school? Like, they didn't see any other archetypes or their, any other one of their friends' kids doing that successfully. Mm -hmm. So to them, it was like, well, how can you make a living? How can you raise kids or support yourself or a family doing that? So I never like directly disobeyed them. I would always just kind of nod my head and try to get good grades and then I, applied to college. I actually went to business school and I graduated business school. So I think I appeased them in that. But I think always from the beginning, they knew like I was a little different. Yeah, I wasn't going to like follow the traditional path. Well, and what was their path? What, uh, how did they end up deciding to come to the US? 
Um, well, my dad was, I think he's like a, I think he was always very smart. Um, he graduated at like the top of his class and then he did his two years of military service. And then uh, my mom was in art school. She was like an artist. Um, but then when they got married, they came over to the States and my mom just became stay at home mom. And my dad was busy doing his PhD. And then when he got his job at 3M, he was just on that traditional corporate path. So I think that's kind of like what they wanted for me to just to make sure that they had like a secure uh, job for me. Yeah. 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 And, you know, I get that. I can get what they're coming from. Definitely. Um, yeah. So, so you can kind of see where they're coming from. Plus, as you said, you risk. I mean, what do you think it was? Uh, I mean, for them, was it a risk coming over here for them? Absolutely. I mean, just socially, mm -hmm. just leaving their family and their friends and leaving uh, a country that they are comfortable in. Mm -hmm. I just think about like, what if I was forced to not forced, but what if I chose to move to uh, Spain? Or something like that, or 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 France, and everybody speaks a different language. Yeah, um, that that presents a whole set of challenges in addition to just not being close to home or not knowing anybody. Mm -hmm. So I definitely respect what they did, and you know, so many people in those times immigrated over, and that's why you know we got a generation of people our age that are the way we are, right, in a, in a good way, and also uh, goods and bads, just kind of like. Kind of like where there's pros and cons to everything we do. Absolutely. So you go to the University of Minnesota. You're a gopher. I'm a gopher. Another check against me right I, there. Well, <laughs> you know, you know, we do have the axe back, mm -hmm. uh, but you did get it last year. So congratulations on that. And We're going to hold on to that victory for 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> so at least we have that. The pictures will remain. Yes. Uh, well, growing up in Minnesota, were you, um, did you do any, uh, what was your favorite thing to do like outside of martial arts? And uh, did you have any family vacations? Did you, did you do anything like that? Um, I just remember being kind of a, a little shit in that department. Like my parents <laughs> would say, let's go on a road trip. It's a 12 hour thing to the Grand Canyon. I, I remember being such a rascal like no i'm not going i'm not going to get stuck like i didn't want to like hang out with my family and it's not because i didn't like them or whatever i just i think i wanted to go to taekwondo class i think i want to play video games and looking back like i was not i, I never got into big trouble but i was never i kind of like rebelled against family a little bit got you you know so yeah. I, we definitely went to the disneyland and we did that stuff in new york city but you know, I think my parents were just having a hard time parenting and and dealing with a job and living, you know, in a country that they didn't know the language very well. So I think they were just taking a lot of the the path of least resistance with me, just mm -hmm. kind of letting me do what I do. Yeah. Um, that's why I was kind of like an undisciplined kid when I started uh, martial arts. But I found a little bit of focus and I stopped becoming, I stopped being such a class clown after I found something to put my energy into. But as far as like vacations and birthdays and Christmas and traditions, we didn't have a ton. Yeah. Um, I just remember Christmases, I, instead of having like a ton of presents under the tree, my brother and I would have like one, <laughs> which, you know, we never felt bad for ourselves because the only the only thing that we compared it to was our friends. And they're like, how come they get so much? Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I think 
uh, we weren't, we didn't have our own family traditions because, you know, this is the first time we're going through a lot of this stuff. Um, and now that I have three kids, now I find myself swinging the opposite way. They have way too much. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, now I'm like, man, it was kind of nice for me to only just have one present. Uh-huh. And now, you know, and I was very grateful for that one present, even if it was like socks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but now my kids, you know, they have so many people that are like, you know, their grandma and their grandpa, me, they got to get gifts that we pretend to, to get for themselves. And, you know, oh, Johnny bought this. No, that's not my kid's name. <laughs> Chase bought this for you. No, he didn't. We bought it for him to give to you. Like it's, so it's kind of nice. Maybe next year we'll go to the, uh, the one present. Here you go. Yeah. You yeah. know, I think they'll appreciate <laughs> all the presents a lot more after what, that one what's year. What's this? Oh, it's it's a certificate so you can eat dinner at home today? Yeah. Oh, thank you so much, mom and dad. 365 really, days of meals. Free board. Free yes. room and board. <laughs> no, we actually have been going more to like, instead of getting them a bunch of stuff this year, we did the, the vacation. Hey, we're oh. going to go on a vacation. Um, maybe that's partly because I don't remember having a lot of those memorable moments. Mm -hmm. So now we're you providing to play that. video games. Exactly. And <laughs> now it's like, get off those screens. We're going to Mexico. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's fun. That's cool. So you, uh, you graduate, uh, with your business degree and when, um, do you kind of make that transition into, uh, saying I'm going to be an actor? So I was at the university of Minnesota. I lived on campus for the first two years and then, during my third year, I started working full-time with my future mother-in-law. She started a full-time martial arts school and uh, she needed an instructor and I was like, yeah, I'll go. So we, we started the school. So I was kind of balancing my coursework and teaching full-time. And that's when I was like, hey, we can make some decent money and it's something that I enjoy doing. And I remember the year before I did my first internship at like some sort of sales, it was United Healthcare. Mm -hmm. And I just remember literally hating my life. <laughs> and I, look, if that's your jam, I love it. Yeah. But that, that was not my jam. Yeah. I remember just by week two, I wasn't going to quit. I wasn't going to like do that. I, I was like, Hey, I interviewed for this. I got this job. I made a commitment for this summer. Mm -hmm. But I remember by week two, I was like, this is definitely what I don't want to do. So as I was working towards my marketing degree, I think I wanted to like, I think I was doing finance and being terrible at it. I couldn't pass accounting. I had to like take two different classes. But after that internship, I switched gears. I was like, I cannot, I cannot do finance. I'm sure I could make my way through it, but I don't enjoy it. Mm -hmm. So I switched my major to marketing partly because it was the fastest path to graduation <laughs> and partly because I was like, well, I can take marketing and apply it anywhere. Yeah. So if I, if I get this marketing degree and I continue in the martial arts business, that'll help. Totally. So that's what I did. And, um, yeah. So first two years I felt like I lived a normal college life with on campus and going to parties and just learning how to live on my own. And then the last two years I, I was barely in class. I was just kind of doing the bare minimum so I could work. Yeah. 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 And what was your first gig out of uh, school then? So right after school, I was, I just jumped right into that full-time position of teaching martial arts in Woodbury. And we, um, we were really successful at that school very quickly. So I think when I was living in Woodbury, after I graduated, I, I assumed we would just live there. 
that would be our thing. Mm -hmm. You know, we would plant our roots there. We had bought a townhome. Uh, my wife and I were about to get married. So I thought that we had like, okay, this is the path. We're, we're all happy. We're content. This is good. So that was my path. And then I think it was 2006. I, um, at the time I was teaching full time. I was also traveling, doing tournaments and somebody spotted me and they're like, Hey, Jackie Chan is looking for um, some Asian American guys that can do some tricks, that can do some acrobatic type, exciting American martial arts. And so I remember going into our school, like at 10 o'clock after classes, and my, my wife and I, we recorded my, my first demo reel. It was like two minutes long. I literally had to like put it on a burnable CD. Remember those things? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> or I burned a DVD-R. Yeah. And I yeah. shipped it yeah. out to him. It was CDR, so crazy. Was that it? Yeah. That, just the technology. That seems ancient to me now. But that was, you know, a little over 10 years ago. And two weeks later, I was in Hong Kong working on a Jackie Chan set. Wow. So that was kind of like my first introduction to being on a film set. Mm -hmm. And number number one, just meeting Jackie Chan was incredible. Yeah, what was that like? It was so crazy because uh, he was so kind, larger than life. I feel like the biggest celebrities have larger heads. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what it is. Like Leo DiCaprio, he has a, a large head. Yeah, I don't no, know. You're Maybe saying of physically, not physically, not. just large, larger head. I mean, yeah. very handsome guy, very awesome guy, but like he's 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 bigger than you think he is. And maybe mm -hmm. they just you know catch catch the camera a little bigger. You know, I've met Will Smith. I thought the same thing. He's got, yeah. he's got a larger... He's got a big noggin. Not like in a bad way. He's just right. got... It's like a strong head. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so I remember Jackie just being so uh, gracious and didn't talk down to anybody. He, he, you know, now now that I've been on so many sets, you don't have the the number one on the call sheet, the main actor eating with the stunt team. Mm -hmm. You don't You don't have that. It just mm -hmm. doesn't happen. But Jackie was like down and dirty with everybody just sharing his chicken sitting in a circle on the ground not only is he starring and acting in it he's like halfway directing it he wasn't the director but he's helping direct he's sweeping the floors he's just doing everything and um, i just remember leaving that was like left a big impression on me yeah like you don't have to be like this diva you don't have to act a certain way to be a star to be looked at in fact you can be the opposite and just be completely grounded completely humble and people respected and loved him because of that and that's why everybody that works with him just raves about him right so you you get this and then at that point are you like okay i'm hooked or did you um did it take a little bit no i think i i spent a week there um came home and then i was like wow that was a cool experience all right back to work mm -hmm. and then my wife was like um at the time she was my fiance she's like no didn't you love it? I was like, yeah, it was incredible. Uh, and she was like, well, you have to pursue this. And I was like, uh, we just opened this school. We're about to get married. Like, what are you talking about? Like, that was fun, but let's be real. So she said, yeah, exactly. We're about to get married. We don't have kids. We, we don't have any money. We don't need to have that much money. Like now's the time we gotta, we gotta see if we can make something of this. And she's like, do you want to try? And I was like, yeah, but I don't want to like uproot you. I don't want to leave what we've got going. We've got kind of like a safe, stable thing going. Mm -hmm. And she's like, no, we're leaving because I don't want to be married to a man that's in 10 years regretting 
Wow. Not trying. So I was like, okay, well, I don't want you to be married to a man like that either. <laughs> so we literally made a plan. Um, and then six months later, our, our little Acura is packed to the gills and we move. We just drive cross country, not knowing what's going to happen. We knew that we had uh, her dad's guest house to stay in for a few months and we just went. That helps. That's, so did you get there? And I mean, I know a lot of actors in Hollywood, um, just from, from my time out in uh, LA and uh, a lot of people think that they're going to meet the right person at a party or something like that. And then they're going to like get found. And then yeah. it's, you know, it's, it's going to be like the uh, Matthew McConaughey story, you know, with uh, uh, Richard Linklater meeting him at a bar or something. Oh, is that what happened? I think so. I wow. don't know. But that's what, that's what people uh, say sometimes. But um, there seems to be less of a drive to like dive into the craft, do the acting lessons, or they're like, I don't have money for acting lessons. Right. Like, what was your philosophy going in? I was, I was not very, uh, I was pretty naive, but at the same time, I wasn't going out there thinking, I'm going to become a big star. Like, mm -hmm. I knew there was definitely a journey. And I think I credit um, my success to, um, I didn't assume anything would happen. So, we had a six month period before we knew we were gonna leave. Mm -hmm. So while I was in Minnesota, I actually, I got my butt into acting class, like even in Minnesota, some, I remember going to somebody's apartment, sitting in a circle and like sharing feelings. I was like, what is this? <laughs> and I was just like, hey, at least I'm, you know, getting back on this theater. Yeah, 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 you know, yeah. It's your people. just learning, exactly. And yeah. I was just like, you know, and I remember reading books, multiple books about LA and the industry because mm -hmm. as a business major, I was like, this is, they call it show biz for a reason. Yeah. I'm not just going to go out there and star in movies. Right. You know, obviously that would be nice, but I knew there was like a completely different journey that I had to take. So as soon as I got out there, I had already had meetings set for agencies. And I think what was great is that I already had a very strong foot in the door because of my martial arts skills. Mm -hmm. I was able to say, look, I'm a champion martial artist. I can do this. Here's my reel. I just got done working with Jackie Chan. So I think that kind of like allowed agents to say like, oh, this guy might have something. And I was smart enough to go with commercials right away. Like I knew I couldn't just jump into TV and film. I always think it's funny when people tell me they're going to become an actor and they go out to LA and I was like, oh, cool. Um, you know, what's your plan? They're like, I don't know. I'm just going to go out there. <laughs> I was like, do you have any money saved up? Nope. Yeah. I was like, eh. So cool. I try to be supportive, but at yeah. the same time, I try to give them a dose of reality. Like, look, you need support. You can't just do it on your own. You need to, it is true. You need to know some people, but you can also be successful without having those connections right. at the beginning. Right. You build those through um, through acting classes, you build those through good work and people will start noticing you if you put yourself out there. And, um, like we were talking about earlier, there's no one path to success, right? Whether you're in LA or, or here in Wanakee or in Milwaukee, wherever it is, like we're all on a hustle, we're all on a journey. And, you know, if I were to say, this is how I did it, you need to follow exactly what I do. It's not going to work. Yeah. Cause we're different. Totally. But you, your path was you went out there and you started cranking on uh, on commercials. Did right. you get booked on a lot of commercials? Were you so good at that? So what I did was um, I knew my path was I need to be, first I need to start in commercials and I need to utilize my martial arts skills. So I got with a commercial agency that would represent me to 
send me out on auditions that involved martial arts. Mm -hmm. And I said, you know, I don't want to be typecast as the, the Asian guy that knows martial arts, but at the same time, I need to make a living. I need to mm -hmm. um, start a resume and get experience. And number two, I don't mind being typecast because I actually know martial arts and I enjoy it and right. I'm good at it. So um, I remember the first bunch of auditions, I had no idea what I was doing. So after I was like, okay, this is what it, this is what it is. I'm acclimated. Okay. You got to sign in here. You got to, what's the slate? Oh, you got to just say your name and got to look like you're not completely shell shocked. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I started taking commercial classes. Who'd you take? Uh, Stuart K. Robinson. Uh, oh yeah. yeah. Killian's he, class. He kill, I did Killian. <laughs> Actually, Stuart uh, was my agent for a little oh, bit. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Yeah. BBR. I love Stuart. Um, yeah. Great Killian, guy. Killian taught me a lot too, but he was a little bit more harder, rough He's, around the edges. Yeah. He, he is a guy who throws the book at you and, and does the whole, he, he, he operates out of fear. Is Absolutely. His, is his training. And it works, but at the same time, I met Stuart and I was like, oh, this feels a little bit more like wholesome. Yeah. Inspirational. Yeah, he's he's a great guy. Um, that's that's small world. But yeah, it, I it, feel like everybody that kind of goes and does the LA thing and, and is serious about it enough to take classes. Mm -hmm. I'm sure we've all been in those. We, same we've got the same circle. <laughs> hey, dear folks, sorry for interrupting, but I want to tell you about the Packing House in Milwaukee. It's one of the premier supper clubs in all Wisconsin. When the whole uh, social distance thing thing ain't going on and, and, and you're looking for a nice nice brandy old-fashioned you know the kind where you got the 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 cherry stained mugglers and the whole nine head on over to the packing house also them fish fries am i right cheapers criminy they are good you know back when they had to close down the whole deal they had a line all around the block of cars just people waiting to get them fish fries and i'm telling you extra coleslaw Okay, back to the show. Big part of the reason I wanted to do this podcast and, and talk with people like you is, you know, there are a lot of people out there who are like, I have no idea. This is such a mysterious thing to me. But I think you have about as much of a chance at making it in the film industry or being great in the film industry as you do being great in the the business industry or the trucking uh, industry, right. whatever you spend a lot of time at, it, it's not impossible. There is a pathway. Um, but uh you know, we're talking about like investing, like, yeah, it does cost money to do these classes. And if you don't have money, uh, it, you know, people kind of stop there. Right. But it, it, how did you kind of find the money to like uh, invest in that? So absolutely this, it's the same path, whether you're in your trucking or in sports or a teacher or whatever it is. I just had no ego. I was willing to do anything and everything, you know, within, <laughs> within being yeah. wholesome and doing, uh, not doing anything that I would regret. Right. But don't say I that. Mean, no way. <laughs> you know. I remember just, you know, I taught martial arts at multiple different studios to mm -hmm. make ends meet. My wife supported me. I'm not ashamed to say that. Like she had a great steady job. So that was a huge help to me. Um, what was her gig? Up? She worked at Mattel. Cool. In El Segundo. So she had the the traditional corporate gig. And so I didn't have to worry about health insurance, which was huge. Mm -hmm. We had enough money to get by with her salary. And then I was just trying to pitch in, you know, work martial arts during the night. And then during the day, I'd be free for auditions. But as you know, when you're an actor, you think you have all auditions all the time. But sometimes it's like you have nothing for two weeks. Yeah. And sometimes you have like three or four during the week or five or a couple in a day. So it's very, it's very, it, it can play with your mind, but mm -hmm. I mean, just bringing it back to just finding success in a industry that you, that you're not experienced in. 
Like I would, I would do the student films for no pay. I would do these classes that I would spend all my money on from my martial arts gigs. And, you know, I just got down and dirty. And I think that's what you have to do. A lot of people come in there with this idea. They're going to be a star and like, I'm not going to do student films or I don't want to pay $400 a month for this class. Like you really have to invest not mm -hmm. only your time your money but most of all like your energy yeah and you have to be willing to take a few hits because when you're you know think about a boxing round like you're gonna get hit and if you're gonna keep going or win the fight you're just gonna have to keep battling back and battling back and you might lose this round but at the end of the day your goal is to 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 survive and and win win the decision or whatever it is exactly so what was your first uh big uh paycheck out there was it a commercial was it a show so i was terrible at commercials for a while me too um, i mean i would get the callbacks which is great and my agents and my friends <laughs> <laughs> my friends would be like this is great you know that's amazing that's a victory but yeah. in my head i was like yeah, but I didn't get the job and I'm not getting paid. Right. So second place is nothing in LA. Yeah. You know, it, it's a moral victory, but you know, in sports, you, you get a medal or you get a playoff bonus, but in acting, you get nothing. Yeah. Um, I think it was four months in, uh, and four months is not a long time. So I was very fortunate. I got my first four to six months in, I got my first TV show out of complete wow. chance because I knew somebody in the martial arts world that was the lead of this show, very similar to like a Power Rangers show. It's called Common Rider. And um, he told the directors, they're like, hey, I see this role coming up in this script. I know a guy that could be great. So he helped get me an audition and I didn't have a theatrical or a TV agent at the time. So I just kind of went in unrepresented and I, I must have nailed the audition. I got the part. I got my SAG card. I did 17 episodes. That's unheard of. Unheard of, right? And so, you know, it was scale, which is the lowest pay. But at the same time, like going from teaching martial arts and getting an hourly raid and barely scraping by and not getting any jobs or any auditions or anything to going to a steady TV gig over the course of like six to eight months, that was like... That's when I was like, maybe this is easy. Maybe this is, maybe I'm set now. Maybe Drink I'm on my train. So yeah. I wrapped on that show and I had a great time. And I remember I just, if I look back at that show and I see my act, I'm like cringe. I was like, oh my mm. God, I was terrible. <laughs> and there are moments still where I do an audition. I was like, that was bad. Mm -hmm. But at least I'm aware about it now. Yeah, yeah. And then, then there's some auditions where I was like, I just crushed it. Even if I don't get that job. I know, you know I impressed them. Yeah. So that's a good feeling. <laughs> yeah. And after I wrapped on that show, I didn't work for a year. Wow. No commercial. Nothing. nothing. I, I remember being on avail. I don't know if you remember that term. I, I know I know yeah. on avail. Yeah. So, yeah. So yeah, yeah. I got yeah, I'm the, avail. I get I get a call three, back for these commercial days. and they're like, they loved you, Mike. You're on avail, which means hold your dates for these commercial dates. I got on avail nine times. Oh wow. Without booking, which is heartbreaking right every time you think you're gonna get it this time and then they call sorry you re they released you yeah and then i remember that's when i jumped into i think it was stewart's class yep and he kind of like something s switched on mm -hmm. mentally because it's a mental game totally and it's really like you can't it, you can't go in there thinking oh it's just about luck it's just yeah. about 
you know, if you fit their look. No, he taught me, you got to convince them that you're the right person for this job. You got to give them an idea that maybe they didn't have going in to the casting session. So that's when I started booking some commercials. And I think I did like, over the course of two years, I booked like eight or nine wow. nationals. Wow. And that's, I mean, that's huge yeah, money too. I that remember doing a, an Apple iPod commercial where I was literally in the commercial for a quarter of a second. There's a bunch of iPods flashing on the screen and I'm one of the faces on one of these things. As you it could flips barely, up the illuminated face. Yeah, yeah I remember yeah. just like being so proud when I saw it and I had to like pause the DVR. <laughs> but it was so quick that I, it, you really had to like try a bunch of times because it was that fast. And I got it and I took a picture and I was so proud. Sent yeah. it to my mom, posted it on, I think Facebook was around. Yep, yep, yeah. yep. All like the my socials. first big, big national commercial. And I, and I remember getting the check. My agent um, called me and, you know, I had gotten some smaller ones up to that point where mm -hmm. it's a couple here, a couple there. And I remember my agent called me. She said, hey, got your uh, Apple check. Um, you're going to want to come in to get this one. Oh, they would wow. usually send it in the mail. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah, yeah. I remember yeah. picking it up and they didn't tell me because they were excited for me. And I remember opening that check and literally my jaw hitting the floor and, you know, you can edit this out if you don't think, but it was $17,000 for wow. my first check. Wow. And as a struggling actor, you know, like, whoa. Yeah, I'm set. Right. <laughs> and uh, I just remember I've never walked into a bank more proud to, to cash a check. <laughs> and for an actor, like, that's that's what they talk about. And and to this day, I, I miss commercials because it's that's a way you can you know, live your livelihood. Yeah. And I remember yeah, yeah. just the residuals just kept coming in. Right. So commercials, while they're not going to vault you to like films or TV shows, it's its own little ecosystem. And there mm -hmm. are a lot of commercial actors that just make their living doing commercials. Yep. And that was back in the day when you could make a lot of money because TV commercials were paying big paying. But yeah. now with social, with the uh, new media, I don't think it's as easy for, actors to make a living on, you know, just commercials. Right. Right. Um, well, you've got this, this money. Um, and so do you, you put it in the bank or do you buy a car? Oh what yeah. By doing? the way, like $17,000 in LA is nothing. You know, <laughs> that's that. enough for so lunch. For me, for it week. was just like, wow, I'm rich. But in yeah. reality, it was just, I think it just, it was a moral victory because you, you battle for these things and sometimes you get a job and it pays you a hundred bucks. Mm -hmm. you know what yep, yep. Uh, uh, what, what do they call that? Uh, what, ultra, seg, ultra, ultra low, low budget, budget yeah. you know, and, and not a lot of those or deferred pay. That's deferred or, pay. Yeah. Uh, clips <laughs> for your reel. Exactly. You know? <laughs> yeah. I did a bunch of student films where it's like, you know, you're not getting paid, yep. but they have to say like, if this film goes on to make X amount of dollars, which it never will, no. you'll get a hundred dollars, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you do those so you can get the experience and you do those so you can put it on your resume and you know, I'll credit myself with not being too big for those. Cause I know a lot of friends are like, why are you doing that? Mm -hmm. Well, in my head I was like, well, I came out here to be an actor yeah. and I'm not an actor unless I'm acting. Do you find yourself uh, loving the craft at this point or are you doing acting lessons, not commercial acting lessons, but acting lessons? Yeah, I'm doing acting lessons and I'm kind of hit or miss on them because some of the, some of the first couple classes I went into, uh, I just wasn't having fun. Yeah. And Why not? then I don't know. It was just a lot of sitting and watching and it was so technical. Like, 
you know, this is the Adler method or this oh, is yeah. the Stanislavski or Where'd what you are go? you feeling? And what, you know, what place I went you... to a lot. I don't yeah, want to name you. You don't want to drop you know. names exactly. of the, uh, of the then, poor acting. Then there was a couple studios. that I was like, okay, this is more my style. It's, it's more like really dive into, um, the technical aspect. Mm -hmm. Cause I was so new, like I wasn't a theater major. Mm -hmm. uh, I didn't really know how to project my voice or these little strange ticks that I might do while I'm on camera yeah. and everybody's got their quirks. So I think an on-camera class that I did that taught me more about, okay, well, here's your blocking and here's, you need to face out here mm -hmm. and you know, just little things about how to dissect an audition. All right. What's your moment before? Like, this is what you're saying, but what are you really meaning behind mm, it? Yep. So there are a couple classes that kind of really resonated with me. And I would be in and out of class. Like I wasn't always in class. Sure, I would sure. be in class for like three or four months. Then yep. I'd take a break because it was too expensive. Yeah, yeah. And yep. then I'd save up and I'd go in for another couple months. So it was a lot of a lot of that. Do and, you have any um, classes out there that you did like? Yeah, so like? I, I uh, trained with a guy named Doug Warhit. Mm-hmm. So he's got a website, uh, W-A-R-H-I-T. And even um, I'll do like Skype coaching with him nowadays oh, too. Cool, so cool. if I have an audition that's really important, I'll I'll um, Skype with him and do, you know, it's not cheap. Yeah, yeah, you know no, 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 no. So it's, it's, it's definitely an investment, but yep. I don't regret any money I spent towards uh, the craft because, you know, just like my mom invested in me in martial arts classes, I developed a skill that I could use for the rest of my life whether it's teaching or operating the school that I have here in Wanakee or using it in a fight scene with Brad Pitt. Yeah. Um, so definitely my mom's investment in martial arts and me paid off, is paying off. And then, you know, I still think I have a lot of room to grow as an actor. I just haven't tra been training it. Like I've been training martial arts for almost three decades, mm -hmm. whereas um, for acting, I'm still, I still feel new. I yeah. still feel like I'm going to hit my prime. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, let's dive into that a little bit. What's been your favorite role uh, that you've done so far? Um, goes without saying, playing Bruce in <laughs> playing uh, Bruce Once Lee, Upon yeah. a Time in Hollywood. Um, you know, a close second or even a tie with that is playing Ryu mm -hmm. in Street Fighter. Just because, you know, beyond uh, the end result, which I think was, you know, I'm really proud of that film. Uh, in that series, but uh, I just had such a great time and I still have some of my best friends from that shoot. And um, how did that come about? That came about, I remember our second daughter was about to be born. We're in Redondo Beach and I get a random Facebook message from this guy, Joey Ansa, uh -huh. who I already knew. He was the guy that fought Matt Damon with a book in the Born series. Oh, yeah, yeah. He was this badass martial artist, and he had done this great Street Fighter short, Street Fighter Legacy, and I got this random message from him. He said, hey, we're, we're going into production on this full-length series that's going to be turned into a movie, and our Ryu actor is not available for some reason. I'm interested in you. Um, I'm going to be in L.A., next week, let's meet. So we met up and he lets me know like, yeah, the reason why I reached out for you is because on, on my Facebook page, somebody suggested you because they saw you in, I don't even, in Common Rider 
oh, that, wow. that show, that wow. original show. And yeah. they just, you know, I had a very small following from that show. It was kind of uh-huh. like a cult hit show. So somebody suggested me. So he reached out on Facebook. Luckily, I checked my messages and I met him and it went well. And he's like, look, I think you'd be great, but you need to put on 30 pounds. <laughs> you know, you, peanut butter. Yeah, I was super <laughs> skinny and lean at the time. I was more like a Bruce type, yeah. not like this jacked Ryu type, you know, so... That movie, uh, that project was kind of in limbo. Like, they're like, look, we've got the script, we've got the producers, but we don't have financing. Ah, so, the financing. Yeah, which is yeah. the biggest hurdle, right? Yeah. Um, and they said, this may or may not go, but are you willing to start prepping for it without the promise of pay? I said, absolutely. Yeah. What else am I doing? You well, know? that goes to the, also the love of the character, the love of the craft. Yeah, you know, so. You're, you're down to do it. I was downing you know, mass gainer shakes at 3 a.m. on every four hours trying to put in like 3,000 calories, which for me at 135 pounds was just tough. Yeah. Hit, I remember doing deadlifts and squats for the first time in my life just to oh, pack wow. it on. Just and, to bulk up. Yeah, and I, and I did it. I got to 165, but oh, I was not cut. I just had to bulk. So oh. was, yeah, and um, I did that in Bulgaria. So it all went through had the time of my life and um, that that was actually, while I was training, we actually moved to Wisconsin. Oh, it, That yeah, was that, during that process. So while I was prepping for that role, my daughter was born. And at that time we were just like, look, two kids mm-hmm. in this tiny house in Redondo Beach that we're paying gobs of money for yeah, for this yeah. tiny place. We need more space and we need help. So we moved back to Wisconsin because my wife got a job transfer to American Girl. Oh, yeah. Here in Middleton. And it all just kind of worked out. And I was like, look, I'm okay with Street Fighter going or not going. And maybe that's my last role. But, you know, I'm going to put family first. And my wife wants to get out of L.A. We hate the traffic. We're not L.A. people. Yeah, You know, we're Midwest people. Right. And now that we have two kids, we don't want to raise them in L.A. Yeah. Number one, we don't have the money to like afford oh, the type of house that. that we had growing up in the Midwest. Mm-hmm. So we moved back and luckily Street Fighter got its financing. I flew out from Madison to go to Bulgaria. I shot that. And then after that, I I think I had already secured an agent in Chicago because I wasn't ready to give up. Mm-hmm. I was like, hey, you know, I'm going to start my martial arts school, but at the same time, I don't mind going to Chicago because I know that there's some productions out there. Oh, totally. Yeah, a bunch of them. So I ended up booking like my second audition with my Chicago agent for Empire, the show that became Empire. And that 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 show was a blessing because I did nine episodes on that. Oh, that's great. I remember the first audition, the, the audition said, this is for one episode, maybe more. And then after my first episode, they just kept calling me back. That, I mean, that there's probably no bigger compliment in TV when you can go in for what is one episode, small role, and then they love you that much. I mean, that's a testament to your work, right? Yeah, there. when they see the episode, they're like, oh, I like what he brings, mm-hmm. you know, and they wrote me more stuff. It was never more than one one line sure. or a couple lines, and it was always in the boardroom. But at the same time, it just kept, it kept me on a set. Mm-hmm. It kept me motivated. It was a little extra pay. Mm-hmm. you know, to, to supplement what, you know, my wife was making out here. And also as I was building my martial arts school out here. So that, you know, without that show, I probably would have just focused on my martial arts school. Yeah. Honestly. But because I kept going on set and because my, my agents kept sending me auditions, then I was like, wow, okay, it's working. Then, then my manager 
through Facebook. I owe a lot to Facebook. I'm realizing <laughs> my, my manager saw street fighter and they're like, Hey, we're a management company in LA. We want to represent you. Uh, well, I mean, I think this is a cool part of your story because um, you're showing how you can do this business. You don't necessarily have to be in L.A., especially these days when there are things like Facebook that like sort of democratize the acting, the actors. You know, mm -hmm. people are fans of you. They can reach out um, and then you can always fly somewhere if you right. have to do that. And the other thing I think is cool is like you don't need the roles. I mean, you have your thing here. I mm -hmm. mean, look at this place. This is awesome. Yeah. Um, and so that I would imagine, and correct me if I'm wrong, but you can walk into some auditions with a little bit more, um, if I get it fine, but when you're walking into an audition where you're like, I need this, right. that, that there's like a nervous energy there that, that casting directors can kind of, they sniff can smell out. it. Yeah. They live, it's called the desperation vibe, yep, yep. you know, and I've been there, you I've know, been there too, I've yeah. been there and it's, it's not a good headspace, mm -mm. you know, it's, um, yeah, I, with technology, I did a lot of self tapes and mm -hmm. I became really good at that. I shoot them in my basement. Yeah. You know, my wife helps me. She reads with me. I send them off. And, uh, then I got an opportunity to do a self tape for uh, a Marvel show through my manager. And I ended up getting that show. They're like, okay, we like you, but we need to do a callback and a network test in LA. So mm -hmm. I flew out there. Yeah. Brought my family with me because we went to Disneyland. Oh, yeah. And uh, I remember getting that show and, you know, the execs at Marvel called me with the news. They're like, congratulations, get ready for five to six seasons of incredible a journey, you know? Wow. So here I'm thinking, I'm set. Yeah. Maybe we move back to L.A. Maybe what? And my mind's going a million, mm -hmm. you know, because as an actor, you just get excited when something good happens because there's so many moments where it's like, no. Nope, you didn't get the part. Nope, you can't even get that audition. Right. You know, you really got to weather, weather the storm as an actor. And that's where a lot of people kind of like, hey, maybe this isn't for me because maybe there's something else in their life that they would rather do that's just not strong enough to deal with just the rejection. Yep. You know what I'm saying? Yep. And, um, you know, a lot of good can come from the rejection. Maybe you, maybe you do this or maybe you dig harder or whatever it is, but it can break a lot of people. And... Um, I did the show, Marvels and Humans, and at that time, Marvel shows had a great track record. Still do. Still <laughs> yeah, do. absolutely. Yeah. And I happened to get on the show that was the worst one, <laughs> got canceled after one season, and that was heartbreaking because I was like, wow, we shot that in Hawaii. I was looking forward. You oh, know, yeah. Because I remember signing a seven-year contract. My first season, I was only a guest star. So I only had a certain amount of episodes because they, you know, brought me in as like the, they killed me off in the first episode, but they're like, okay, but he makes this epic return. And then in season two, you're one of like the main storylines. And then they canceled it. And I was like, I didn't even Dude, get to get be it. the series regular oh, that man. I signed off for. And there were many roles that I had to turn down because I was contracted. Yeah, you, right. So there were a lot of shows that I was like, this is even better. Mm -hmm. but I couldn't do it. And, um, you know, the good, there a lot of good came from it. I met a lot of great people. I got more experience. I had fun. Um, got to go to Hawaii and I got my current agent through that because they, uh, ESPN who owns, who's in yep. business with ABC, they came out here and they did a little profile on me to help promote Inhumans. They're like, all right, this guy's not only Triton and Marvel's Inhumans, but he's an athlete too. So they've tied in the ESPN thing. Totally. And then Ari Emanuel from William Morris Endeavor. Yeah, yeah. He saw that. And he had some of his agents call me from here, call me here. So <laughs> I flew out and met with them and they signed me. And so, 
yeah, I just, that was another thing that kind of helped this train keep going. Right, right. Though on the face of it may seem like uh, kind of a failure of the TV show. Yeah. It just, it got you so much. Plus, if you did do the TV show, it's possible you wouldn't have gotten the role with Tarantino. Absolutely. So it all just kind of builds and even the the downturns can lead you on a path to a better path. Mm -hmm. So at the time I'm heartbroken. Oh, my show got canceled. But then, you know, you look two, two years down the line, if that show wouldn't have got canceled, mm -hmm. I wouldn't have been available for this or that. Right. So then it, I got a, a call. I remember teaching and um, my agent calls. They're like, hey, Tarantino's doing a film and there's Bruce Lee in it. Wow. What, yeah. what, what are you thinking inside your head when you get that call? I was like, here, here it is, yeah. you know, because we've skipped a lot. But I mean, I had auditioned to play Bruce maybe three or four times. And for whatever reason, I was like second choice or third choice, but I was always right there. Mm -hmm. And I just remember being done with it. Just like I'm not meant to play Bruce. That's just not in the cards. And then I got this call. I flew myself on my own dime out to L.A., to read for the casting director, but they wouldn't give me the material because it's a Tarantino script and they don't want anything to leak. Sure. So I remember having to go in, I was actually uh, going in to test for another TV show, a couple recurring episodes, HBO's Insecure. Oh yeah, sure. So I, the timing was perfect. I went out there, I did my audition, I bombed it because of guess what? You did. I wasn't, <laughs> I was like, this would be cool, but Tarantino, Bruce Lee, yeah, that's all I'm that's thinking all, about. Yeah. So it was the same casting director, which was like another like, you look back, it's like, this is crazy coincidence. So they were able to just hand me the audition sides. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. Nice job with the audition. Here's the Tarantino Here's material. why you're really here. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see you tomorrow. Uh -huh. So I had less than a day. Wow. So in that, in that day, you're probably, how long, how long were the sides? I hold up. I hold up with my uh, my best friend. He lives in Hollywood, and I just hung out at his apartment all day. And credit to him, he ran the lines with me for like six hours. Oh, wow. Wow. And the audition scene was pretty much the whole scene. No way. Because the there's a huge monologue and mm -hmm. then a little bit. I think... I think it was mainly like my monologue, which was like three minutes of nonstop talking. Yeah. So it was like four pages of just straight up dialogue. So are you getting this to a point where you're off book? Almost. I was wow. pretty much off book. Uh, I held the pages. Yeah. Just so course. I could reference it. Right. But I think I did enough that day to be like, and I could see like when I, they started the tape, there was two casting in there and I started talking and they perked up. And oh. I saw them looking at each Doesn't other. Doesn't that help? And I was like, okay, this is going good. <laughs> yeah. right? just, just don't screw it up. And yeah. I remember them having me do it so many different ways Wow. to prep me. Because if they're going to put me in front of Tarantino, like I got to be on it. Yeah. They're like, okay, now lose the accent. Mm -hmm. And now sit here and pretend like you're at a campfire with just like four friends. All right, now do it again. Double the accent and speak to a hundred people. And I remember doing it five, I was in the room for like 30 minutes, just exhausted speaking, you know? Well, that that's great. I mean, to, I don't know what your process is in memorizing lines, but sometimes if I have a weekend to memorize lines, I'll like read them. I'm like, I got, I got. And then I start forgetting little words and right. it can trip you up. Totally. I mean, what's your process of just memorizing that right away? Repetition. Just doing it. Repetition. Um, I, I think I have like a brain that's good with it. Mm -hmm. Um you know, ask me what I'm supposed to do later today. <laughs> yeah, that's that's another story. my wife will help me remember <laughs> right. that. But ask me my lines. Mm -hmm. You know, I think it helps when I'm 
when I really get excited about a role, yeah, then I can really have fun diving into it. But if it's like this thing that I've done a hundred times or just, I don't like it or it, I feel like it's a, not a good fit for me. Yeah. Sometimes I'm, I'm not great with the lines because I just, you don't have it. It doesn't connect. But as an actor, you still got to fight through that and do the best you can, you know? So, so yeah. Bruce Lee though is, um, someone you've looked up to for a long, long time. Right? Not only that, but it was like literally on my, my goals sheet to play him on and, your vision board. Right. Exactly. <laughs> literally a vision board material type thing. And, um, you know, I've been through some heartbreak through, there was another movie that I almost got cast in that I spent over four grand of my own money through flights and coaching and all this stuff to only, you know, get, um, sorry, to get runner up second or third place, you know? So yeah, I, I was almost afraid to do that whole thing again. Cause I, paid my own way sure. for my first audition when they called me back and Tarantino wanted to meet me. Guess what? I paid my own way. Mm-hmm. Um, when I went to the table read, I paid my own way, Yeah, you know, and, and luckily they reimbursed me after I got the role because yeah. I got the role. Yeah, but yeah, if yeah. I didn't get the role, yeah, there goes all that money, all that time, more heartbreak. Well, in retrospect, I suppose it was preparing you for it the whole time. So. Absolutely. Um, what was, uh, give me, so you go in, you obviously get the nod and, and, and you can go meet Tarantino. What was that like? Surreal. Like he's, he's another larger than life guy. He's a big guy. He's, um, you know, really enthusiastic, uh, hugged me right away, knew my name. I was like, wow, he knows my name. So where, where'd you go meet him? At the same casting office. Same casting office. Yeah. So he opens the door, he knows your name yeah, and everything. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember walking in, there was like one or two people that I recognized, celebrities. I knew who they were. And out of, you know, I'm not sure if I should say, but like, there are people that I know that are celebrities uh, auditioning, looking nervous as heck. Wow. And that kind of puts you in a space like, well, if these guys who are stars are nervous, how am I supposed to be? Right. You know? right. So I remember waiting like a half an hour. He had to finish his lunch. They were behind schedule. And I was like, okay, just playing head games, going through it a hundred different ways in my head, trying to stay positive. Um, then I'd go in there. We chat for 30 minutes about Bruce, about what he wants to do with the film. And then he's like, okay, well, should we audition? I was like, gulp. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> so we go into the, the, the casting room and... I remember just falling into a zone, you know, in flow, mm-hmm. just doing it and taking the notes that the casting told me that like, you just need to hit certain words a little harder. You need to do this. You need to show you're in charge. You need to show that, that Bruce, you know, bravado. Yeah. So I remember just getting into character and just doing it. And by the end of our session, we are literally face to face doing the Brad dialogue and the Bruce dialogue back and forth, just going at it. And he was sweating by the end of it. Really? Because so he was, he was so playing Brad. Oh yeah, he was. Oh, wow. he, we were we were playing the scene multiple different ways. I must have been in there for like another half an hour with him. Yeah. And he said, "Okay, that was great. You know, here's my plan. Um, you might, you know, it might take a couple weeks because he's casting all sorts of roles, mm-hmm. and my role is important, but it's small. You know. Yeah. So the next time I see you, I'll have whittled it down to three Bruces." And you'll come in and you'll read and you'll do the martial arts thing. I'll put you guys all with the stunt team and we'll see who's comes out on top. And I remember my wife saying, don't forget to leave without telling him how you feel, why you're the right guy. And I just said, that sounds great. No worries. I got it. 
And I said, excuse me, Mr. Tarantino, before I leave, I just want to tell you that I'm absolutely the right guy for this role. And if you choose me, people will think Bruce came back from the dead to be in your film. He laughs at me. He's like, okay, guy. All right. Sounds good. We'll see you. We'll see you later. You work on your accent. <laughs> so I was like, whoa, should I not have said that? But in retrospect is exactly what he needed to hear. Yeah. You know, and then uh, I come back, I finally get the call like, okay, you're coming in for chemistry read, which means, all right, I'm probably going to meet Brad Pitt. Yeah. Fangirl inside me is like, yay. Right, right. <laughs> so I'm getting nervous for that. And then, uh, the, the day before I'm in LA, they call, they say, here are the directions to the table read. I said, table read, um, like the whole script and the cast. And they're like, yeah, okay. So now I go in the next day, I open the door through security, the security gates and everything. And then Quentin opens the door. Welcome Mike. Hey, let me introduce you to my friend, Bert. It's Bert Reynolds. He was in the movie Gosh. before he passed. Wow. There's Luke Perry. Margot Robbie walks in, Brad Pitt's in there, Dakota Fanning, all these people that I didn't know were in the film yet because they weren't released yet. It yeah. wasn't news yet. Al Pacino taps me on the shoulder. Hi, I'm Al. What? Oh my God. So just incredible. I can tell you exactly where everybody was. I remember the room, you know, Timothy Oliphant, Emile Hirsch, all the producers. Quentin's on this side just giving his speech. He's like, hey, you know, this is part of... Pro Pre-production, that's my favorite because I can finally see the movie in my head. This is my favorite part of pre-production. And we read most of the film. And I knew, I was like, holy shit, this is serious. And I was probably the only one in the room that didn't officially have an offer or a, the job. Yeah. So I knew that this was my audition. So I'm furiously paging through the script where's my scene? Where's my scene? Cause I know I've got to be ready. Right. And I've never, obviously this is the first time most of those people have seen the story yeah. or, or heard it. So I found it. I was like, okay, page 53, page 53. Don't screw this up. <laughs> I'm trying to listen to the story. I don't, I couldn't tell you what it was about because mm -hmm. I was just thinking about page 53. Every page, my heart gets a little bit more and by page 53, I'm just racing. Oh, but bet. on the outside, I'm playing it cool. I'm doing a good job at that. And then get into my scene. And then everybody's kind of just relaxed. Everybody's got their role. So they're just reading it. Right. And um, just having a good time. Everybody's heads are down in the script. And then I remember as soon as my I, I start, I put on the accent. I, I, I do a full performance. Do you? I did the full performance. And nobody else is doing a full nobody performance. Nobody else, I don't think, was going full out. I think right. some people were giving it a little bit more just sure. to kind of test it out. Yeah. But I gave it all. I was like, I'm yeah. not walking out of that room not showing them how it's going to be, right? Yeah. And Which, by the way, is, is kind of a huge choice. And as an actor, you make a lot of choices. But, I mean, I think that, you know, some people may have played it more subdued. One to play it cool for the room of full right. A-listers. Right. But you went a different route. I've, I had read articles where people lost the job because their table read was so underwhelming. Wow. You know? Yeah. So I think there's something to be said about being natural mm -hmm. and just doing it without putting the whole thing behind it. But I was like, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mm. do it. Yeah. When I trained in martial arts, the reason why I got good is because I practiced the way I want to perform. So... You know, that's, that goes with anything. Yeah. When you train for something, you don't just half-ass it. No. And expect to be amazing when it becomes time. Think about any professional athlete. They're grinding. They're, they're working. So 
I did it and I just felt everybody perk up and start watching me, right? Similar to the casting room. Kind yeah, of, right? yeah, exactly. But more so because at that point, I was a month in from this process and I was really, I really sounded like Bruce now. Yeah. And I really had that attitude. So by the time I was done with my monologue, Brad and I started going at it after, you know, from across the table and people were laughing and hitting the right notes and it was just perfect. And then afterwards, I was kind of talking with Dakota and I go, yeah, crazy, like, I don't even have the role yet, you know? This is, this is insane, because they're all freaking out. Luke Perry and I are like, holy crap, this is incredible. Wow. And to hear somebody, all these stars get excited about this, it, that was surreal. And then um, Dakota's like, I don't think you have to worry too much about the role. Because right. I was expecting other guys to be there for Bruce. Totally. But it was just my name, it was Bruce Lee on the thing. I think they were like, okay, if he doesn't work out, we have to bring somebody else in. Right. So I think I was the top choice and I just had to show. And then the next day, I worked with the stunt team for like an hour and a half, a grueling workout, and they were like, look, we're gonna sign off on you, and if it's up to him. It's That's up to awesome. him now. So I got the call maybe another week later, and then that was it. That's that's so cool. And yeah. then and then uh, a little while later, you're shooting the film, and yep. what was it like shooting with Brad on set? Uh, felt fun. Yeah. Felt completely prepared. And I think, you know, when you're completely prepared for something, even when you're nervous, it just heightens your preparedness. Yeah. You know, when you're unprepared, your nerves kind of make you screw up or fumble or, you know, not do as good of a job. But when you're fully confident because of your preparation, mm -hmm. and not only was my preparation the audition process, it was all those failed auditions that taught me. Totally. So without those failed auditions, it wouldn't have worked. I think so it was a blessing um, but it was great I mean we were laughing having a good time music's playing between takes nobody's on their phones because it's a rule yeah, yeah, yeah. but it's great and Brad is super kind and super supportive and we got through all of our stuff like way ahead of schedule just because we are all on it that's that's, so that's awesome fun. I mean and then so did you do the stunts is it like were you thrown into the car yeah was that was that, me that, that was me awesome. I mean my my stunt double Brian Cartago he made sure it was safe so he did countless ones <laughs> before with the helmet to make sure all the wires were perfectly spaced the harness picks had the exact right positioning yeah so on the day I only had to do it twice and I think they used the first take. And they only had three of those doors because oh. they were breakaway doors, like oh, not yeah, like yeah. real doors, but just kind of like a thinner metal. Yeah. People were like, that looked like it hurt. I was like, not really. Yeah. I mean, the hardest like part was the, the hardest part was hitting the ground after, you know, oh, yeah. after getting rammed into the door. But no, it was fine. Um, that's that's um, such an amazing, uh, it, it got to be such an amazing thing to watch back then. Did you see anything watching back where you were like, oh, I... I don't, I don't, did I do that? Yeah, it feels like an out-of-body experience. When I first watched at the premiere for the first time with everybody at the Chinese theater, I don't know, I think uh, that's the first time I was like, wow, like, is that me? Because I remember the lines, I remember being there, but I just, you know, I, I don't know, it just felt, it felt cool. Yeah. It, it was like a really cool moment to be able to see myself after so many like trials to just, and, and the way people reacted like cheering after the scene, oh, that so was, cool. that was, that was something. Um, what's next for you? So I just, uh, 
at the end of last year, I shot a movie called Boogie, which mm -hmm. is uh, directed by Eddie Huang. He did Fresh Off the Boat. He's like this entrepreneur. He owns restaurants. He's just like this amazing individual. And that was his directorial debut. So I got to play um, the main character's manager. So it's a basketball movie. It's going to be really cool. It's done by Focus Features, and they always do great movies. Yeah. So I'm excited about that. Um, now I'm here. After award season, I was in L.A. a lot, going to the parties, doing the Oscar thing, doing sure. the Golden Globes thing, doing the SAG Awards thing. So that was a lot of fun, but it was tiresome. Mm -hmm. Now I'm glad to be home with my family. Um, took my family on vacation to Mexico a couple weeks ago. Christmas present. Uh, exactly. Yeah. And now I'm just, you know, uh, enjoying my time being back at the school, training the students, training myself. And I think this summer there's a few things lined up, but uh, as you know, it's showbiz. Anything yeah. can change. Yep, yep. So right it's now so I'm just living in the moment, staying sharp, being ready. And that's half of what acting is, just being ready, not knowing what the, not knowing exactly what the next opportunity might be. But at any moment I could get a call today and there could be something that I need to be ready for. That, yeah, so you're, you're ready to crank and ready yeah. to go. Um, before I let you go, um, I do have, I give everyone a gift on this thing, so I have a gift for you, which I left in my jacket pocket. Let me go grab that. <laughs> well, before I give this to you, I just uh, what advice do you have for people who want to do what you do? You know, I think part of my success is just finding a balance. Mm -hmm. You know, there have been times where I've been too focused on my acting career, and I just get anxious and stressed and unhappy. And there's times where I'm not giving it enough attention and I feel, you know, stuck or just stagnant. So I think when I'm at my best, I have, you know, for me, it's like this triangle. Number one is family. You know, I got to be a good husband. I got to be a good dad because I'm never going to get that time back. And I only get one chance to create a relationship with these people. Um, and then equal, uh, on equal footing is my martial arts school, mm -hmm. how I can help people that come to the school not only become better martial artists but just better people happier healthier and then it's my acting career so at the moment my acting career has a little bit more power because of the film that i just did mm -hmm. and i've got an opportunity and i love it but there's always going to be this thing i'm always going to be a martial artist you know whether i'm teaching or not that's how i live my life i'm always going to be uh, with my family you know, whether I'm off in location or not or here. So I've got to keep those up. And then I see myself being an actor for the rest of my time, whether yeah. I'm in big movies or not. Um, I just enjoy it. I, I enjoy being on a set. I enjoy the creative aspect of it. So find things that you love to do. And even if one of those things, you're only doing it to support yourself, do it so you can do the other things. F yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Feed it too. Absolutely. Man. And you might not love the... the the act of it, but you should love what it provides you the freedom to do. So for me, I've become very fortunate that all of my things are things that I'm passionate about. They feed each other. And keep those dreams alive because, hey, if you love something but it's not paying you, that's okay. You love it. Do something else that pays you so you can keep doing this. And eventually your energy will keep lending itself to something and you might find a way to monetize it. And then eventually you might just be able to lean on those things. That's awesome. Well, um, as payment for you doing this with me, I want to give you 
Um, this is from the Backwater Bar and Grill, okay, over there in Prairie du Chien. It's good for yes. one drink. Okay, now if you're not a beer uh, drinker, what's uh, your drink of choice? I'll, I'll drink beer. You'll drink a beer. Yeah. Okay, so this is good for one beer. You can get what you, you can do taps, you can do domestics, okay, in the bottle, whatever you got. That's uh, good for one drink. So oh, don't thanks. spend it all in one place. Thanks, there, guy. Charlie yeah, Barron's oh, all right. Yeah, yeah, you betcha, dear guy. Uh, okay, so you enjoy that, that nice little uh, uh, bubbly pop on me, okay? Appreciate and, it. Uh, yeah, keep her moving. Okay, as always, go Packers. And uh, Skull. Okay. Hey, and, uh, and I want to say props to you. Before I uh, agreed to come on the show, I already knew I was a fan. <laughs> so successful Midwest, uh, especially well, Wisconsin. Got to bring it together. Well, uh, you know what? Um, I think we can both find common ground here on hating the Bears. Can we Can we do that? Oofta. Oofta. <laughs> I love it. Thanks, man. Yes, yeah, of course. Fun. Likewise. And that's it for the Cripes cast. If you like this episode, don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. If you didn't like this episode, don't forget to subscribe and uh, don't give a review. If you want to see outtakes from this conversation, we've got those up on the um, on my Facebook page, the Charlie Barron's Facebook page. We've got those outtakes under the supporters tab. We also do behind the scenes uh, videos from a bunch of our shoots and photos, live streams, that sort of thing. So if you're interested in more, that is where you can get it. Okay, bye-bye now. So roll out the barrel and get the band brewing. Life's got you down, just keep her moving. It's on Wisconsin, the Badgers say it's the old Wisconsin Jubilee. You know, sometimes when you're ice fishing, you put your foot into walleye hole and go ass over tea kettle and you think you're done. No, you gotta keep her moving. <laughs>